forecast. I'm Andy Robb for AM860 The Answer. I'm on. I'm Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I got Ken with me today. You hanging in there, bud? I am. Great music choice today. A lot of people don't know this. Doc and I were up late last night recording this. uh, We've got our own little band. That's right. The Doc's on a Stratocaster there. I'm I'm on percussion and... No words to this song yet. We're still working it out, but it's it's coming along nice, I think. Don't you? Got to give our band a name. The Geriatrics or what? (laughs) (laughs) All right, like that. The Geritals. The Geritals. The Geritals. Oh, that's a that's a copy infringement. We'll probably get in trouble for that one. Yeah, get in trouble. We can't even say that. There you go. Let's X that out. We're Xing out Geritol. (laughs) That wasn't said on our show. We'll come up with something. We'll figure it out. Yes. Good morning, Doc. How are you today? I am great, and uh, today is the 77th, I think, or 76th anniversary of D-Day. That's right, the 6th of June. 6th of June, 1944, was the day that the Allies, predominantly the uh, Americans, Canadians, and the British, along with the British uh, uh, colonies, colonial South Africans, I'm sure, and, and some Indians and a few other people joined in, and we stormed three beaches in Normandy, and uh, that was the long-awaited uh, invasion of Europe by the Western Allies. The Russians had been shouldering most of the war in Europe and up until that point, although we were fighting in Italy. And, and that's sort of the forgotten part of, the, of World War II is the fight to go up the peninsula. And that was a pretty big fight. And uh, that tied up a lot of German uh, troops and reserves and and equipment and men. And so we had invaded uh, a year before Italy. I think we came through Sicily. North came through Af- with North Africa, then up to Sicily, I think it was. Yeah. North Africa, Sicily, and then into Italy. And I guess that's where uh, <clears throat> uh, where Patton got into trouble was. was <laughs> he slapped a little soldier. He slapped a soldier. That's right. He sure yes, did. he did. And you're not supposed to slap your soldiers. No. Not, not with the news press around. You can do it in private, maybe, but not. You know, it's kind of like uh, that guy with his knee on on uh, the neck of the perp up there in Milwaukee or Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Yeah, it wasn't good to have that on film. That doesn't, that doesn't no, play. No, it doesn't the... work. Even in 44, it wasn't going to work, yeah. So at any rate, um, uh, I had uh, friends of the family, and Dr. Moore. He went in on a glider, and uh, he was a young MD, and so he was a medic, I guess, and he was captured, and he and another guy crawled out. <laughs> they crawled under the barbed wire that night away from the German camp and made it back. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, made it back to the lines. He he was, uh, and he went into surgery, obviously. You know, he was a pretty aggressive guy. That's good. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. No. That's so we, we tip our hat to the greatest generation. Absolutely. And, Appreciate all that they did to make it possible for us to play scratchy rock and roll and say inappropriate things on the radio. And like, if you, while you're out, if you're going out to the beach today, if you're storming a beach yourself today, I want you to do something out there when you're walking in the sand. It's not easy to walk in the sand to begin with. And no. when you're on the beach this afternoon, just, just first take a second and imagine doing it with 100 pounds of equipment on your shoulders and 10, 12 machine guns bearing down on you and mortars exploding everywhere, not to mention the mines. 
then you might have a, bit, a little better appreciation for what they had to go through. I'm not sure I could have done it, but it wouldn't. There's no way out. I guess you could go forward. Well, I I just picked up the wife and carried her around on the beach to get the <laughs> the effect, and because she weighs about 110 pounds, so that worked. That wasn't for cover. It was just. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't get sunburned, by the way. Well, good. All right. <laughs> all right. So again, we thank uh, we thank all the veterans. I don't think there are many World War II vets alive anymore. Unfortunately, no, I don't think so. No. That generation is gone. My father was uh, a soldier. He was a doctor on a uh, on a medical transport train that came in from from the Northeast and uh, would head back out to the West. And so he'd take care of soldiers that had been injured. And that was his contribution to World War II. And that, you know, that's good. We needed doctors. I had an uncle who served in the Navy, and they gave him a test and found out that he had um, a, a, the ability to identify enemy aircraft just from their silhouettes through like a pair of binoculars. Next thing he knew... <laughs> He, he found himself in a crow's nest on top of a ship in the North Atlantic. Well, that's a good target. <laughs> <laughs> that you could strafe that and then, you know, have a little gunnery practice. Hey, look at that guy up there. Let's. <laughs> well, he always thought at least they're aiming below me. You know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's something coming in. So he, he survived the war and went on to shoe horses out in Colorado. Well, I told you that my uncle Jackie, he uh, he was uh, a crew member on a B-17 bomber, and they they were coming back from a, a bombing mission over Germany, and they were shot down in the North Sea, and of course that was the end of it. Um, if you went into the North Sea it, in those days, you froze. I mean, yeah. there was no rescue. There was no, you know, you didn't have a life raft or anything. It was just uh, adios amigo. So that side of the family bled, and then my mother's brother he lost his leg he was a forward artillery spotter so he was standing up on a hill looking through his binoculars at uh, the shells that were being dropped on the germans and calling back and giving directions you know you're 100 yards shy or you're over you know three degrees this way or that way and uh, an 88 millimeter shell took his leg off and didn't Mm -hmm. explode because there wasn't enough uh, impact and um, it blew up about 100 yards behind him, and he looked around and fell down. And I guess his radio man uh, put a tourniquet on his stump and got him back to the lines. So both yeah. sides of the family bled. But America you know. really came together at that point like I don't think we've ever seen before or probably will never see again. Well, right now it doesn't look like it, but you never know. You never know what happens because there was a big rift uh, in the 1930s. Uh, most of the country did not want to get involved in the European war that was raging. And uh, there there was a, a big anti-Semitic uh, Nazi movement in the United States, and there was uh, a big communist movement. So there was a lot of friction going on in the United States in, in the 1930s. And uh the war ended that rapidly. Yeah, the uh, Pearl Harbor changed that overnight, literally. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. So, but Speak, we salute you guys. We salute you. And speaking of uh, weapons, did you see where a federal judge uh, overturned California's 32-year-old ban on assault-style weapons? Yeah, I saw that. I was impressed. Yeah. <laughs> That's California. So, you didn't, I didn't think that would ever happen out there. Yeah, and it did. And Judge Roger Benitez of the U.S. District Court of Southern California wrote in his order, government is not free to impose its will 
and its own policy choices on American citizens where constitutional rights are concerned. It is declared that these statutes unconstitutionally infringe the Second Amendment right of California citizens, the court filing concluded. And so basically the Second Amendment, as everybody knows, is the right to bear arms. Uh, the original intention, I think, of the fathers, of the founding fathers, was so that state-level militias could form to uh, resist against the federal government and an overly intrusive federal government. And uh, that has changed and morphed over the past two centuries. Did you know that in the 19th century, it was strictly constructed? Did you know that? that, that uh, what, do you there, mean by, what do you mean by strictly constructed? Well, the court said that there was a case that came up and uh, the, the guy said, well, you know, my jurisdiction says I can't own a gun. And uh, the court said, well, they're right. You can't. And he said, well, what about the Second Amendment? And they said that applies to state level militia. Now, in the 20th century, from about oh, 1950 on, in the 1930s, there was a ban on fully automatic weapons uh, by the court, and that's been upheld. But in the 1960s, it started to change again, and uh, the courts have been much more liberal now in saying that you can own uh, a semi-automatic weapon, and you can own an automatic weapon, you just have to get a special permit. Did you know that? You can go out and buy yourself a 50 caliber machine gun, but you got to get a special permit, and it costs you about a thousand bucks, and you have to go through the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms vetting and all that. Well, I know there are people who have them, so yeah, I imagine they're little yeah, ex- went, little extra training on that one maybe i was shocked i went into my locksmith's uh, a couple of decades ago to get a key cut and we started talking about guns and all that and he said hey you want to see my collection and i said sure he says i got a 50 caliber machine gun i said where so uh, he opens this door and it's like a vault and it's got a a cage door on on it behind it and go in there. He's got all these weapons. He's he's had a 50 caliber machine gun working. And uh, he told me that he had to get a special permit, but that uh, it was legal. And he invited me to go out and shoot with him sometime. I, of course, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do that. I'll make time for that, Doc. That would be a thrill. That would be. I would like to do that once. Yeah, um, exactly. I should have done it when the COVID was was in full bloom because I had more time on my hands. And <clears throat> so the uh, the judge has overturned this now. He put a 30-day stay on the order because the state attorney general wants to uh, appeal it. And, of course, it's going to go up all the way. Uh, and apparently seven states, including California and the District of Columbia, I didn't know District of Columbia was seven, was a state have enacted laws banning assault weapons, according to the Gifford Law Center, a, a gun control group. It would like to be a state, but it's not, no. It's not yet. No. It would like to be, but, you know, that that little thing called the Constitution standing in the way again. So, Now, I think a lot of people don't understand that the, uh, the assault rifles that they see, uh, people taking to the gun range and shooting, uh, uh, 99.999% of those are not automatic weapons. They're single shot. You have to pull the trigger for each shot. And the the idea of it being a fully automatic weapon is, is, uh, is just in, incorrect. It's just not true. But what people don't like is they look like the AR-15s that our troops carry. And, uh, but th- th- they're still just a rifle. They're just a hunting rifle. 
and they may have a little little different uh, size shell, but it's a, the 223 is actually a smaller shell than the 30-06, which is a common hunting rifle. And the hunting rifles nowadays are semi-automatic, so you you pull the trigger and it, it fires. You put a you put a smaller clip in, perhaps, but you know it's it's still a semi-automatic weapon. But they you're just, right; it's the perception. It looks like. Yeah, it just looks like, yeah, and it exactly. offends. Yeah, it offends the, uh, the 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 small animals. They get upset, and <laughs> they've complained and filed suit against. Have they unionized now? I was reading about. They that. are yeah. unionized, and you know now you can't paint your house a real bright color because it'll scare them. So we have to use muted and earth tones. And and uh, did you <laughs> did you see where the recycling center is on fire? I think it's uh, somewhere in Arizona. I can't remember, but. Oh my God! They've got like 200 firemen, and uh, it was—it's been on fire all night long. Huge fire! I haven't—I haven't read about that one. I haven't checked the news yet this morning. So that's, that's instant it. recycling, by the way. That, it is, yes. You just set all that stuff on fire. And <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, just like that. It's gone, baby. That's it. It's. Uh, well, I'm not a real. I, I still have not seen any hard literature or data to show that. Uh, a lot of the recycling actually does anything. And I don't think there's any data out to show that the amount of energy consumed in recycling is uh, is any worse than if you didn't recycle it and just let it sit in a dump and, and rot over 100 or 1,000 years. But I may be wrong. I don't know. I've looked for literature on that. Now, look, iron and steel, I can understand that. You know, that that, that makes sense because... It takes a lot of energy to dig up that iron ore. You know, it, it's it's a big deal, and you've got to run heavy equipment, and you've got to use diesel fuel, and you've got ships, and you've got transports, and you got trains, and so missile melting make, it down makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah. and then you st- and then you still have to uh, uh, purify. You still have to extract the iron from the ore. Right. And you have to make it into steel. Well, if you've already got steel. You might as well just melt it down and and burn off the um, the paint and the waste and the and the trash and and put it into ingots and then reuse it. Why not? It makes sense to me. But we're but, not running the world this week, Doc. Unfortunately, I, I'm just the boy here. I don't know a whole lot, and that reminds me that uh, the all electric vehicles that we're taking uh, into our hearts as as our very own special little. 21st century answer to pollution. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. What do you do with the batteries? What do you do with these batteries? Now, we haven't faced that yet because there are not enough of the vehicles out there, but this is going to be a big, big problem. And these these uh, batteries, you know, when they recycle them, you know, the lithium and the molybdenum and the other uh, uh, rare earth metals that are used in these vehicles, you know what they do? They burn it off. Because they want the copper and the cobalt and the uh, and and the other heavy metals out of these uh, uh, batteries. So, and you've got a a big vehicle coming out now that's going to be um, a production line car. The Ford F one hundred and fifty is a five hundred and thirty horsepower, sixty five hundred pound truck. On batteries, and it's going to run. Well, I think it's a hybrid, okay. so it's going to yeah. have batteries. But if your batteries run low, it's got one of those little itty bitty. Uh, one-cylinder generators that has a little gas in it, and that kicks in and, and puts a little juice back into the batteries. And so this is going to be a big deal. Uh, the F-150 Lightning, 
and then you're you're going to have a tremendous amount of batteries in this thing. Okay, so how long do they last? I don't know what five years. Okay, and then in five years you got to recycle them. What do you do? Well, you got to send these batteries somewhere. I mean, you can't just dump them in a landfill. They've got heavy metals in them. They've got lithium. They're toxic. You know, these are things that will kill you, kind of like lead acid batteries. <clears throat> I told you the story of my uh, my service station guy, my mechanic. He owns the place, and he liked to recycle batteries. He tinkers all the time. And so he uh, came into the office a few years ago, and he, he had a, a, a neurogenic bladder. He couldn't pee. His bladder was distended. I sent him to the urologist. The urologist said the prostate's not big. I don't know what's going on. Of course, urologists, they're not, uh, they're not at the top of the intellectual heap <laughs> of doctors. But, and he didn't send him to a neurologist. So the guy suffered for a while, and then he blew up a battery in his face. And so he had first-degree burns all over his upper body and face. And the ER doctor said, oh, we can't handle this, and sent him over to the burn center in Tampa. And the doctor over there said, well, geez, we can handle the burns. They're no big deal. But why is your bladder distended? And uh, he said, have you been working with any heavy metals? He said, well, yeah, I blew up a battery in my face. So he checked the lead <laughs> level. The guy was lead toxic. Uh-huh. And it had, it had, it had uh, given him a neurogenic bladder, which is not uncommon with heavy metals poisoning. So he had to take that medicine, that nasty BAL, they call it. Uh, it's a it's a chelating agent. It binds the iron so that then you pee it out. And uh, he got better, but you know we're talking we're talking a big deal here when we have to start reprocessing uh, uh, batteries for hundreds of millions of cars around the world. This is going to be a big deal. This will be the next great uh, ecological crisis, and we'll give the green people something to do or keep them busy off the street anyway. So the person who solves this problem, he's an instant billionaire pretty much. Well, that's uh, this if is a big solvable, problem. Yeah. There's lithium, nickel, cobalt, copper inside these batteries and all these are mined from the earth and that takes energy. So you're mining not just lead. We've got plenty of lead around. We recycle lead. We've been doing that for decades. But now we're going to have to figure out how to recycle all these other things. And so you're talking about mining operations, not just for lead and lead, acid, you got a battery, uh, but for this, you've got to have nickel, cobalt, copper, and lithium. And uh, these, are, these are all mined separately. They don't come in a package. You don't dig into the earth and say, oh, look, we got all four. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. So there's a lot of energy that goes into mining, and uh, lithium comes from different parts of the world. We have not been mining lithium in the United States because of California's uh, wacky green situation, and they won't let us dig into the mountain out there that has all the lithium. That'll change eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So, But there's, there's mining concentrations, concentrations in places like Russia, Indonesia, the Congo. China, of course, has been mining lithium for a long time and selling it to the world. And... Uh, so millions of tons of batteries are going to be de decommissioned over the next few decades, and we're going to have to do something with all of this. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and we're going to have to start figuring out how to keep this stuff out of landfills. And uh, so there you go. And you got seven billion people on the planet, and everybody wants a car. 
even the babies now are driving. You see the little, little kids <laughs> driving around those little electric cars. Have you seen that, Ken? Well, absolutely. The little Barbie cars and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They run out of battery pretty soon. They'll be running on lithium batteries. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll uh, love... just, you know, I, I'll, miss my old, I'll miss my old gas guzzler. Yes, you will. Oh. But you know you may have a few gas stations that'll remain around uh, just for just for uh, the fun of it, and so that people with antique cars can crank them up and take them out to a show or something. But yeah, wouldn't we'll that be sad if you couldn't at least show off these vehicles somewhere? We'll just drive them down the street just because there's no gas stations left. Well, they're going to go the same way as horses. Uh, there'll be farms for them, and you know. <laughs> We're going to put them out to stud. Is that what we're going to do there? Okay. Yeah. Stud and feed them, you know, feed them some right. oil and grease. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got two fifty Chevys out there. We're hoping for a little Chevy. So. <laughs> Hopefully they like each other. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, where are we going next, Doc? Oh, it's not even time for a break yet. I thought I was going to call for oh, a break. Oh, it's not time for a break. Oh, no, yeah, like five minutes before we get there yet. Really fascinating. Uh, one of my neighbors who was at the party, he has a syndrome, and th- this is something that I had not heard of. It's called the superior semicircular canal dehiscence, and dehiscence means an opening. Do you know what the semicircular canals are? Uh, sounds like an ear thing. It is an ear thing, and you should know because you've got ear problems. Yes, I do. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to take your index finger and your thumb on your left and right hand and interlock them so you make a ring. So okay. you got two, two rings, two circles there. Mm-hmm. And imagine a third one coming off at another 90-degree angle. And that's what the semicircular canals look like inside your head and your inner ear. Okay. The semicircular canals are the organs of balance. So what happens is they're fluid-filled. And they've got these little nerve cells with little hair projections on the end of them. And when you tilt your head forward, the canal that's in line with with that that plane of movement swishes fluid back and forth. And that goes to your brain and it says you're nodding your head or you're falling to one side or you're twisting, you're turning. And so it helps us stay oriented in space and space and time. And, of course, this is the organ that gets gets wacky when people come in with benign positional vertigo or dizziness, and this is pretty common as we get older, you get little, uh, like little concretions, little uh, stones inside those canals over time, and, uh, and they roll back and forth and abnormally stimulate the nerve cells, and then you get dizzy. We have some, man- uh, some maneuvers we can use called Epley's maneuvers to get, get rid of those, and it'll roll them around and eventually get them out to the to the fluid, uh, there's fluid circulating through brain, brain uh, fluid that, that flows through there, and you get those little stones out. But this is a neat and unusual syndrome. It's very rare. It was only discovered in 1998, so that's how recently it's been noted. And what happens is the the semicircular bone at the very top of, of the of this little threesome uh, it, it has a defect in it, and so that the the fluid inside of the canal is in communication with, with the with the bone uh, of of the of the skull, and so you have abnormal uh, sensations. Uh, you can hear like if you tap your finger, you can hear your bone being tapped in your ear. Uh, you have disorientation of space and time, and uh, you can have uh, dizziness. 
and you can have what's called oscilloscopia, oscillo, oscillopsia, oscillopsia, the apparent motion of objects that are known to be stationary. So things look like they're moving when they're not and uh, can be uh, brought on by loud noises, uh, by certain head maneuvers. And uh, there's autophony, which means that your own voice sounds louder than it is. You can have deafness in one ear or both ears. Usually it's one ear. And so you have all kinds of, uh, of uh, weird phenomena that happen to you. And this, this is a pretty debilitating disease. Uh, some people can learn to live with it, but some can't. And I tell you, Ken, this was very fascinating. I did not know that my neighbor had this until he explained it to me, and I looked it up. And the mean age of diagnosis is about 45 years of age. And he went to the Hopkins up there in Baltimore because he lived up that way. And I guess he thinks the Hopkins is wonderful. And I guess they are. They got a pretty good name. They got a good – they yeah. got – they got the PR. They got they've got a good rep. That's right. They got a good reputation, and they've got a good uh, they got a good advertising group. Well, I'd never so, heard of that before. That whole thing. Yeah, I had never heard of it before, and 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 you, with your history of your problems, you probably know a lot more about the year than most people. But uh, you have maybe yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, you have windows in your ear. They're they're membranes because most of the ear is is uh, bone. You know, your canal going into your eardrum, that's bony canal with some skin. And you get down to the drum, and it's its a membrane. And your wife's membrane got all inflamed recently. Yes, very we painful. Were, yes. Uh, very painful. And then the middle ear, you've got these little itty-bitty bones that they move back and forth as your eardrum moves back and forth. And they impinge on a window that uh, is is called the uh, the round window or the oval window, rather, and the oval window carries the, the, uh, the, the sound wave impulse into the inner ear, into the cochlea. The cochlea uh, looks like a shell, uh, looks like a, a cochlear shell. Uh, what do you call it? Um, a conch. Hmm. You know what conch right. shells are like? Yeah. And uh, this carries the sound into the fluid in the cochlea, and there's a communication, a very small one, between the the semicircular canals in the cochlea because they have to empty their fluid out to the brain and get fresh fluid. You can't have all that stuff sit there, it gets stale and gets infected. So the cochlea then stimulates the fluid in your in your ear or the, uh, the uh, oval window uh, stimulates the fluid in your inner ear to stimulate the little hair cells, little nerve hair cells in your cochlea in your hearing organ. And that's what gives you the sensation of sound and there are different lengths of hair cells. So, uh, and as you wind deeper and deeper into this, of course they get smaller and smaller. So the sound wave may be real high pitched and it won't affect the nerve cells uh, until it gets deep into the cochlea and gets into the real short nerve hills. Nerve. Oh, kind of like a keyboard really. Yeah. It's kind of like a keyboard. So it stimulates it. And uh, now the semicircular canals, that's the balance organ and, I don't know why the hearing and balance organ decided to, to get together and take up the same space, but it, it can make a big mess, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> if one goes bad, the other one can go bad. You would think they separate, but no, they're right next door in the condominium. So <laughs> when one neighbor starts acting up, the other one starts acting up. Well, I'll talk to the manufacturer, see if we can have that changed. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I've actually sent God a note about that. And, 
you know, he usually works his side of the street and I work mine. He's the metaphysical and I'm the physical. But I told him, look, dude, you're the one apparently responsible for this. And he's all, no, 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 no. I'm, he says, I'm a Darwinist. <laughs> God believes in Darwin. <laughs> I'm all right. Hey, Doc, how about a cup of coffee? I'm with you. I'm all right. On, I'm all over it. And I'm going to show... While we're at break, I'm going to throw up a picture of an AR-15 semi-automatic assault rifle. Don't be scared. It's just Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the group of seven democracies should commit to vaccinating the global population, all of it, by the end of 2022. Johnson is expected to stress the importance of his global vaccination drive when he meets with fellow world leaders this week in Cornwall, southwest England, for the first face-to-face G7 summit since the pandemic hit. As the second school year disrupted by the pandemic winds down, summer school plans are taking shape around the country. An influx of federal funding, including COVID-19 rescue legislation, is letting districts broaden programming and offer spots to more students than ever before. Most school systems are going back live in the fall if they can. And Israel has arrested a Palestinian protest leader in the contested Shari Jake neighborhood of Jerusalem. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. 
Corona Cigar Company is one of the Internet's easiest to use and most trusted online cigar stores. This is Dennis Prager with just a couple of clicks. You will discover an unimaginable selection of the world's finest cigars and cigar accessories. Select your favorite brands like Padron, Davidoff, Drew Estate, and Arturo Fuente. Or try some new ones like Florida Sun Grown Warped and many more. The selection is amazing. Enjoy fast, free shipping with orders of over $100. You are going to want to bookmark this website. The selection and deals change daily, and you'll want to stay informed of their tremendous values on the world's finest cigars. Go to coronacigar.com, coronacigar.com, that's coronacigar.com, and enter the promo code PRAGER to save 10% off your order. That's promo code PRAGER at coronacigar.com, PRAGER at coronacigar.com. Is it time to spruce up your yard and landscaping? Regardless of the size of your land, Everglades Equipment Group has everything you need to get your yard in great shape. From our selection of John Deere equipment to our vast selection of sod, mulch, and rock, we've got everything you need to tackle any weekend project. To learn more, give us a call or visit our location on 114th Avenue in Largo. When you do, be sure to mention this ad and receive 10% off your next aggregate purchase. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Offer ends 10-31-21. AM 860, The Answer. Online at theanswertampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Sunshine and clouds today with a thunderstorm in spots, a high 92 for tonight. An evening thunderstorm, otherwise clouds low for the rest of your Sunday, 78. Partly sunny for tomorrow, the high 93. Monday night, low 76. Tuesday, partly sunny, high 93. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Andy Robb for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back, a little head-banging music, get you awake here. So uh, the uh, the um, administration, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago, said that you can require vaccinations uh, for your employees. Uh, of course, there are some uh, caveats to that, and I'm sure there'll be some court battles, but it looks like the vaccination is going to be not forced, Ken, but you'll be coerced if you want to go back to work in some areas. But I don't know how, how well that's going to hold up. And I don't even know if it's necessary at this point. That's I, my I, question, Doc. Is it necessary? I don't know. I mean, If I you've think been vaccinated, the, you have very little to worry about. That's true. So and, but, why, why do I care if you haven't been vaccinated? You know what I mean? Yeah. And we have to look at the literature. And we also have to think of, uh, of each other and the people who were unable to get vaccinated for whatever reason because they had some uh, other illness going on or they were on steroids or they got vaccinated and it didn't take. So we have to look at this scientifically. But, you know, on the surface, I would say that it's probably unnecessary. It may just be some political posturing, you know. You can't, but you can't cut people out of life. You know what I mean? If you didn't get a shot, you have a right to go to the ballgame if we're selling tickets. That's my opinion anyway. We know the European Union, they now have vaccine passports. And so... One of my patients came in and he had the virus back in February or March, uh, Canadian, and he's actually from Poland. And he wanted to go back to Europe and visit family. And so we had to do an antibody level on him, which was positive because he'd had the virus. 
And uh, so he can take that. And when he gets into Europe, he can show that and he'll get a, a passport, a vaccine passport, so he can travel around the European Union. So, but now Governor DeSantis says, that ain't happening here. Well, I guess yeah. Royal Caribbean uh, yesterday or the day before said they're not going to have a passport to get on. There's not going to be a requirement to have a that's shot. Not gonna, that, you know, that, that that's probably sensible from a business standpoint. And I would think that if you're going to go on a cruise and you're going to be in close proximity to that many people that if you don't, if you haven't gotten a vaccine, there, you, you know, you got some psychiatric problems. Get vaccinated. You know what I mean? I right. Mean, exactly. Just, For your own sake. Sense. Yeah. And and so I, I think that that's something that we have to continue to push people to do. And I'm, I continue to push my, my patients to get vaccinated, but a few of them just will not do it. I had one guy call uh, a few days ago and he said, I'm sick. I've got all these symptoms. I said, well, that's, that's, you know, you got the coronavirus. Did you get vaccinated? No. He's a postman. I'm like, dude, what wow. are you, what are you thinking? So we, we started him on some outpatient treatment. I don't know how he's doing. I haven't heard from him over the weekend, but hopefully he'll survive. We'll see what happens. He wasn't sick enough to be in the hospital, but uh, if you do get it and then you get the, the, uh, can you get the, um, inoculation while you have it and does it help? I think that it probably would if you got it on early enough on. Uh, it might help you build up antibodies quicker. Mm-hmm. We know that that works with the flu, so we're we, we can we can speculate. You know, we can kind of back project that that would probably work also. Um, now, once you're really sick, though, I don't know that I would want to stir up the immune system anymore because you can cause all the autoimmune problems so that are the real uh, the real difficult part of this disease is the not necessarily the infection from the virus into your cells, but the autoimmune response that your body throws up to it causes all these clotting problems and all of the uh, collection of protein in your lungs and it makes it so you can't breathe and all that. So we have to be very careful and look at the data on that as we go along. Well, if you haven't gotten the shot yet and you get it, it's your own fault. I mean, we've done everything. Everybody's done everything they can, I think, to you know, I've, some I'm people driving. know that it's safe, and some folks are just not going to believe you. When we were driving up, up to uh, uh, Lake County, there was a truck in a parking lot. <laughs> I mean, a big sign on it said, COVID testing and vaccine here. You could just drive up and, you know, yeah. get your nose swabbed and get a shot while yeah. you were there. The days of two-hour waits are long gone, so... They're gone, baby. I mean, you can go down to Publix, and there's probably somebody with a needle ready to stick you in there. Right, right now, probably, if you just want to yeah. go out there. Yeah, it's crazy that, they don't, that they don't have it. So they really don't want it. And in America, that's fine with me. That's your choice. That's your choice. But uh, I, that's one area where I, I'm, I'm not uh, a conservative in the sense that I don't think that people should have free will when it comes to certain public health Phenomena. I think that people should be forced to take certain vaccines, uh, but uh, that's just me. I'll probably get some hate mail from that, but that's okay. I, I, <laughs> we still I, love you, Doc. See, I, people can have a difference of opinion without becoming, you know, nasty. So put my assault weapon away? No, I would keep it out because there are people out there who will get nasty. <laughs> I'd keep it handy. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that there's treatment for that uh, superior semicircular canal dehiscence syndrome. Uh, they can do surgery uh, if you're really, really debilitated by it. 
it's not not the easiest surgery to do, but they can go in there and put a patch on the hole in, in the semicircular canal. That sounds like micro surgery, really. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, you got to drill a little hole in the head, and yeah. uh, I've already got plenty of those, so I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you know, there are implants now for uh, for chronic vertigo, for chronic dizziness, and vestibular disorders of various types. So, you can actually go get like a little stimulator that they put right inside, and it, I guess it's close enough to the nerve that goes to the brain from the uh, organ of balance that it, it helps with your dizziness. So that's another treatment. Most people respond well to just medications that we give them that are easy to use. Uh, so uh, you've got options anyway. Uh, my friend who has it, my neighbor, he said that he did not want this surgery because of the danger it imposed. And I guess there was, at least when he was talking to him, there was some problem with possibly losing your, your hearing in one ear or whatever. I don't know. But at any rate, he has opted not to, and he seems to be functioning okay. He only fell over two or three times the other night at the party. Um, we picked him up, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, was it, did you say a party? Party? Oh, yeah, we had our, our, our clubhouse party. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it wasn't the year. It might have been the beer, not the year. There might have been some outside interference somewhere. God. And I thought he was like a manly man, and he was drinking Michelob Ultra. I was so shocked. Everybody's got their limit. <laughs> you know, and, and I guess everybody, t you know, taste is personal. If you like, uh, um, uh, you know, sissy beers, that's okay. That's your business. <laughs> <laughs> give me a Paps Blue Ribbon. That's what I say. Yeah, give me something. Give me an Ertl's 92. You probably never even heard of that. I've never heard that one, no. That was a local beer in Louisville, Ertl's ah. 92. <laughs> I love that name. At any rate, so uh, we had our party. Uh, one of the one of the women in the neighborhood across the street from me, she and I were talking, and I said, "We need to have a party now that we got a new board and we're doing everything and we're getting everything fixed up, and uh, the whole neighborhood's going to be great and famous again." And nobody's ever heard of us, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so we got this party together. We actually had forty people there, Ken. It was a good party. Sounds and like we fun. Got We've only got 62 units here, so I figured that was probably half of the units that showed up. Not bad. Yeah. And we streamed it live on our Facebook page. I set up all of my equipment there. Uh, just as I set it up here in the studio, I took it down there and set it up and got it right this time, not like last week when <laughs> I set it up down there. And I brought stereo equipment. We plugged in music. We were playing, uh, you know, Martha and the Bandellas and... Uh, all these great songs and dancing. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was for a geriatric party. It was pretty lively. DJ pretty lively. Doc Handelman. I like that. <laughs> and, and video guy too. There Cameron you go. Had it all set up. Did you cook all the food too, Doc? You sound like you're a one man party there. We had food, we had beer, we had wine. Uh, I didn't see any hard liquor. That doesn't seem to be very popular with this with this crowd. I guess they go home and have that when nobody's looking. Take a <laughs> nip and, you know. No, but I understand that the, the uh, younger generations are much more inclined to have a, uh, a say, a shot of Jack Daniels and a beer. Really? I, I didn't, I, I've been reading that last last couple of years at the um, millennium and lower, I guess, and younger than that. Prefer the hard liquor. My son's not a big drinker, and when he does drink, he likes these uh, IPA beers, these uh, crafted beers. Yes, that's a, that's still 
very much in vogue, I guess, the craft beer. That's in vogue, and, uh, you know, they taste like orange and lemon and lime and, and strawberry and chartreuse, and I don't know what else. And everything but beer, right. Yeah, it Everything good. but beer, and yeah. I'm like, give me something bitter. <laughs> <laughs> give me an ale. <laughs> but, that, you know, that's what I was raised with, so that's what I know. And I guess yeah. if you're inured into a certain way of life, you, you can change if you if you want to, but at a certain stage you say well why do i need to change i like what i'm doing right exactly it's working so why can't i just do what i'm doing my grandfather gave me my first old style when i was about seven years old on a porch of our house (laughs) 56th and troy in chicago and i drank old style for years after that well i I did a little pause between the age of seven and 21 yeah i started drinking early and hadn't hurt me a bit hadn't hurt me (laughs) no (laughs) i i have no problems come on So, uh, you know, I think a, a few beers here and there are, are probably not going to hurt you. Well, they say they, they, well, the, the, um, with the French or the Italian, they drink like two glasses of wine a day, and they live 90s, 100s sometimes. They do. Now, we don't know what they're like at that age because they <laughs> have them down in the wine cellar locked up. But <laughs> They also oh, my- eat better, though, I think, than we do. Well, they get much more unsaturated fatty acids, you know, with olive oil and all that. And uh, I guess fruits and vegetables are fresher, but I don't know. Um, I do think they shop more. They like to go out and just... Well, I think they move around, you know. That's important because we just pull up and uh, jump out into our electric scooters. And I told you that that the guy pulled into the handicapped parking space at, at Home Depot. Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't. Oh, my God, he got out. He was like this healthy 22-year-old. And I was in my F-150 then. So I ran his ass over. <laughs> and then, oh, my God, his mother got out on the other side, and she was about 80,000 years old with her walker. <laughs> I couldn't leave any witnesses, Ken. I ran her over, too. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's not a true story. No, I hope not. <laughs> no, that's not. But, but it's something that I fantasize about. <laughs> Oh, is that wrong, Ken? No, 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 no. You, okay, it's all. It's, it's America. All you can think whatever you want, Doc. It's still America. Just don't act on it. <laughs> you just don't act on it. There you go. I don't act on every impulse. That's right. <laughs> so now the feds are still trying to tell us that this inflation is transitory and it's not real. It's not real. Did you know, Ken, that the price of lumber has doubled in a year? It has doubled. The price of lumber has gone up one hundred percent. And the price and, of a new house, right along with it. A, yeah. It's added another 10% to the cost of construction of a new home. Unbelievable. I'm switching to concrete to heck with that. <laughs> Build Everything a Adobe hut somewhere. And uh, the housing prices are at, at nosebleed levels. And, uh, you know, we, we see this index. Uh, the It's called the Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, and it registered a 13.2% year-on-year increase as of May, just below the all-time peak gain of 2005 during the worst of the last housing bubble. So I don't know if that means we're going into a housing bubble or not. I don't think there was more money around in 2005 like there is now. So it may be that this is not a bubble, that this is just pure inflation. The money's not worth what it, what it used to be. Plus, interest rates are incredibly low for homes right now. Yeah. And uh, so and so a lot of people are qualifying whether or not they should qualify or not. I don't know. I don't know if they've if uh, 
Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have tightened up their rules after the big debacle back in 2005. Seems to be a, seems to be a lot of cash buyers out there coming from the Northeast, at least into the Florida area. It's the Florida. Oh my yeah. God, unbelievable! I told you one of my friends. He I think he had about 2.5, 2.75 million in his home, including the land. It was maybe 10 years ago. He built it, sold it cash, cash to a California lawyer, some highfalutin lawyer, for six million. Oh, there's a happy day. <laughs> that was a happy day. But he was really torn. He didn't want to leave the house. Well, if you, when you build something like that, you know, it's you know, your creation. So, Yeah, but, I mean, it's your baby. But $6 million makes it a lot easier. But, you know, you got a 4,500, 5,000-square-foot home, and it's just you and the wife because the kids are yeah, gone. exactly. What are you going to do with all that space? Yeah. I mean, come on. And then you have to keep it up. And uh, he was always complaining like I was about all the work I had to do on my house over inside the subdivision, and it's just not worth it. At any rate, we got in at a good time here because our condo was like 415000 I think the last one, similar to ours, just sold for 550000 Ken. Nice job and there, Doc. <laughs> it's all about timing. It's, it's, yeah, well, it's in luck. Yeah. But a year and a half, our home's gone up over $100,000. That's unbelievable. But, you know, the, the reverse is true as well. If things, for some reason, yep. whatever, go south, you can lose that money in no time as well. And the other thing, too, Ken, you got to think about is if you do sell, if you're going to stay in this area in Florida, anywhere on the coast, I would think, you're going you're gonna to essentially pay X amount in percentage, uh, as much increase in what you buy new, so you're really not going to come out any better. No. Now, if you move to the boondocks in, in, in Tennessee or Kentucky, you might come away uh, a winner. Right. If you make a regional change, you might yeah. do all right. Yeah. Might do all right. Or if you go up to the Florida-Georgia border uh, away from the coast, you might do all right. Uh, but uh, if you want to stay in Florida, if you want to stay in this neighborhood, you're not going to find anything cheap. It doesn't exist. That's right. It's gone in a second. It's gone. Yeah. I mean, these houses are going, they're not even going on the market. The realtors uh, say, I got somebody that's interested, and they go in and they say, we'll pay cash, and that's That's gone. <laughs> that's right. It's, 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 it's uh-huh. insane out there right now in the real estate market. But if you if you want to make some money, you probably do it now, but you got think about you know maybe renting or something for a year until the market cools off before you buy something else. You could save some money that way if, it, if conditions change. Prices will come back down. They may level off, but uh, come back down, hard to say. You know, yeah. we had crash in 2005 2006 but that wasn't due to uh, uh excess cash you know of no that was, that was just bad loans that was bad loans and uh, uh the uh this this the futures market the players were betting on on yeah. bundles of loans whether they would go up or go down in value and and uh, retirement funds and and big hedge funds were buying all this stuff up. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a real mess. It was scary there was, for a while, actually. It was it was a real mess, and so the rules needed to change a little bit there. Hopefully, we won't have that kind of crisis again. But who knows with Sleepy Joe at the wheel. Yeah. So it's an interesting real estate market, to say the least, right now. It, it, it is. And if you're, if you're in Florida, baby, yeah. you're sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to buy a home after you sell, you're sitting on a gold mine. Uh, you could move into your favorite retirement home and probably live like a, a king or a queen. Sure. Well, go to Belize. Think, go to Belize. You could live there forever on your profits, probably. Well, you want to go somewhere where they throw in free depends and uh, 
an insurance. So you got to get a little bit extra for your money. They're always thinking, Doc, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, uh, you know, Biden, he's focusing on the Middle East and Iran. And the Trumpster's back. He was uh, at a speech last night, and he says he's back in it, baby. And we're taking back the, the, the Re Republicans, the conservatives are taking back the White House, the Senate, and the House by 2022. I'm not sure how he plans to get the White House back by 2022, but if he can do it, I'd love to see it. I don't. <laughs> well, let's just start with the House and Senate in 2022. Yeah, see how it goes. Let's keep it small. Yeah. Let's keep. Baby we steps. Can, we'll take baby steps. Of it. Let's. I think the House we can do. The Senate, I don't know, because I don't know if the rotation's right at this point for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. I, but the House is definitely, I think, doable. The House is doable because we're only a few seats away from taking it back anyway. Exactly. So uh, that'll be fascinating. So meanwhile, Trump is also saying we've got to hold the Chinese accountable for, for this virus uh, because there are a lot of damages that the world sustained, and they need to cough up. They need to pay. What's he calling for? Ten trillion, something like that. Well, the Chinese. Good, good luck on that. <laughs> I just asked for one percent of that ten trillion. I'm, I'm not greedy. Uh, that'll, <laughs> that'll do me. Then I don't have to do anything ever again. I'll take half a percent. I'm not even. I'm less greedy than you. Let's see. One percent would be what? A hundred million? Something like something, that. Yeah. Something like that, or I could do fifty million. Uh, not, or, uh, no billion, it'd be a, oh, that's true. Be, that'd be a billion, yeah. We're talking billion, trillions we're, here, yeah. We're thinking like in the nineteen nineties. You know, we, we're not used to trillions. No. Those are big numbers for guys like us. Two minutes, so, Doc. We're down to two minutes. My my time. Well, you know what I was going to tell you was that uh, Trump's bringing this up. Meanwhile, China's they're stacking advanced weapons on the Chinese Indian border. Did you know that? No, I'm not. I didn't know that, and I'm not glad to hear it. It's this terrible thing over there. They are trigger happy. They they are, and you know the Indians have the second largest standing army in the world after the Chinese, the fifth largest navy after the Chinese, and workable and, nukes as well. So they got nukes, and uh, it'd be a good fight. It'd be a <laughs> yeah. good fight. Well, cut down on some of the world population. It, now that's for sure. That's for sure. So then the. The people that are worried about overpopulation, they'd be happy for a while. They'd quiet down. <laughs> I think they're more for, like, birth control, aren't they? They're not for euthanasia, or are they, are they moving into euthanasia yet? Oh, well, I, don't I don't think they've gone that far yet. They haven't gone that no, far. No, I think birth control, there. yeah. So. Give them a decade or two. <laughs> They'll say, Handelman, you're too old. You're out of here. Just, just step into this booth, and we'll take care of you. Well, don't forget, we've got uh, Dr. Bill's uh, practice, Bay Area Medical and Can Care Clinic for Canadians and visitors. Uh, so we see Americans and Canadians, and we're at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We're getting close to wrapping up the time. So join us for that. And, uh, Ken, I love you, buddy. We had another great day today, and I'm going to get out of here. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. 
Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic. 